0: Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams and this is episode number 35 of the Red Pill Revolution podcast. And again, thank you so much for joining me. We have some interesting updates, some pretty crazy breaking news events that have come out over the last, I don't know, 48 hours or so that we'll discuss. Um, and we'll go over it all today. Um, and so what we're going to discuss today is going to be the U.S. Army halting pay benefits and active status for 60000 Unvaccinated Garden Reserve soldiers. We're also going to discuss Shinzo Abe's assassin forced to give up college after mother's seven hundred twenty-two thousand dollar donation to Unification Church. If you don't know who that is, that is the guy who assa- or the uh, individual who assassinated the former Prime Minister of Japan. So quite interesting there. Um, So they seem to be alluding to the fact that that $722,000 donation to the church somehow meant he was going to do this assassination or that he, that was the reason why. I don't see exactly the correlation there, but we will jump into that. We'll read through the article and discuss it. Another interesting point about that is how he actually did assassinate him in broad daylight with like a homemade pipe bomb gun, Some. Type of weird deal, (laughs) so we'll look at that. We're also going to discuss, you know, all of these articles that have been coming out recently about England bracing for 40 Celsius temperatures. As experts warn, thousands could die over, you know, and if you don't know what 40 Celsius is, it's 104 degrees Fahrenheit. So not exactly sure how that equates to thousands of people dying because there's, you know, we'll get into it. (laughs) Um, Ricky Martin was allegedly facing incest charges and could get up to 50 years in prison. Indoor mask mandates are coming back to L.A. County which is hilarious to me. Glad that it is not uh, somewhere that I live. Um, The next thing is going to be Zelensky's office confirming that the U.S. plans to train Ukrainian fighter pilots on F-15 and F-16 fighter jets And also uh, that the White House confirming that Russian officials have uh, visited Iran to see the drones that they were potentially talking about uh, giving to Ukraine. Um, We've seen some backlash on this recently about people talking badly about, you know, how crazy it is. Biden did a speech on it. uh, I believe it was like five days or so ago where he discussed how crazy and unbelievable it is that they would even have the audacity to consider giving weapons to a country in a war that isn't theirs. Sounds Familiar to me? (laughs) So we'll discuss that. Um, There is actually some interesting parts of the F-15 situation, which actually plays into why they're giving them those specifically. And it has to do with radar and uh, NATO's uh, capabilities with the radars that are on the F-15. So we'll discuss that as well. Um, The next thing we'll talk about is Ivana Trump dying from an accident, Um, blunt impact injuries uh, from a car accident. And that was from the New York uh, City Medical Examiner. Um, Terrible to hear that. Uh, we're also going to uh, discuss The Terminalist. If you haven't seen The Terminalist, it's one of the best shows uh, out there right now. It's a very, very uh, interesting, action-packed show with Chris Pat- Pratt, and it's got some interesting reviews that we're going to discuss <laughs> from the critics. I think there's like a 60-point difference on Rotten Tomatoes compared to what the audience thinks about it. Um, so we will discuss all of that. And then last but not least, there were some uh, conversations that went on in the Senate hearings um, that I found to be pretty interesting as well. So all of that to Morris. Stick around. We will try to hit all of those topics. We'll see how many we get to. (laughs) Um, But thank you so much for listening. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review. I appreciate you so much. Um, If you're watching on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and subscribe to YouTube or Rumble to watch the actual video feeds. If you're already on both of those, you can actually head over to TikTok, where I do a live every single week when I do the podcast, and you can join me there um, and actually talk with me while we're going through this. So pretty cool. All right. So without further ado, episode number. Number 35 of the Red Pill Revolution podcast. Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed As a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain. And I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. All right. Episode number 35 of the Red Pill Revolution podcast. And again, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it so, so much. Now, this next uh, topic of conversation, the very first article that we're going to discuss today, is going to be the 60,000 soldiers who are losing not only their benefits, but also their pay for not following the mandate, which I find to be atrocious and infuriating. Um, a former military veteran myself uh, could not imagine having raised my right hand and committing my life to you know, defend our government and you know, the United States against enemies, both foreign and domestic, only to eventually uh, get my pay taken away from me for not wanting to follow a mandate um, about my own body. Uh, So I find that to be interesting. Let's go ahead and read this article. It says U.S. Army halting pay benefits and active status for 60,000 unvaccinated guard and reserve soldiers. It goes on to say that soldiers who refuse the order without an approved or pending exemption request are subject to adverse administrative actions, including flags, bars to service and official reprimands, said an army spokesperson. It goes on to say that the U.S. Army has cut around 40,000 National Guardsmen and 22,000 reservists from service and pay uh, for refusing to get their jab. The service members were given a deadline that ended on Thursday to receive the vaccine. The figure makes up around 13% of the National Guardsmen and 12% of reservists. So that would be you know, a total between the two of those of 25% of our total military force in the Guards and Reserves, which is terrifying. Terrifying, especially if you consider the fact that we're in one of the very first hot wars among other countries, other countries, you know, saying that with quotations. (laughs) And the reason I'm doing that is because if you followed along from the very beginning, this is just a proxy war. This is absolutely just a proxy war between the United States and Russia over Ukraine. And you see that, you know, if we we will do it on the next episode, I'm really interested about diving into that. But the, the Hunter Biden phone that got leaked, um, I went down a huge rabbit hole last night and basically read through a bunch of different emails. Um, you can actually find a website, but we'll go over all of that. But there's a huge correlation between the Biden family, Ukraine, and what is actually happening in Russia today. So this is Don't get it confused. This is not a war between Zelensky and Putin. This is a proxy war between NATO and the UN and Vladimir Putin, um, not wanting Ukraine to be a part of it and us, you know, giving billions and billions and billions of dollars to Ukraine to fight a war that isn't even ours. Um, So in the middle of that, in the midst of that, in the midst of us deciding to give tanks to Taiwan and also interjecting billions, tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine in a war that's not even ours, inciting one of the world's largest nuclear superpowers, we're also going to cut 25% of our fighting force in the middle of all that for making their own bodily decisions about their medical status? It makes absolutely no sense. Now, What this article goes on to say is we are in the midst of a recruiting crisis in the army. This is for one of the first times ever this year. They did not meet their quotas in recruiting. They are having a very, very difficult time recruiting individuals to Joe Biden's military. Okay, now one can only imagine why in the midst of all this crisis and and the lack of leadership and the weak um, you know, the the weak president that we see in office that they would be defending against. Um, but also, I think a lot of people are just waking up to the military industrial complex, right? I, I, I think it's probably a mix of things. I mean, obviously, a lot of people, right, still what, 40, 35% or 40, 35% or so of people, don't quote me on that, it's probably wrong. <laughs> but a good percentage of people are still unvaccinated. And, you know, a good percentage of people who are willing to go into the military are primarily going to be, you know, your more right-leaning younger individuals, and those individuals have no reason to get vaccinated and generally have a philosophical belief that they don't want to be, which is causing a, you know, difficulty in the recruiting process uh, where, you know, not only are they maybe not approving of the current state of our governmental administration, but also not approving of, you know, the barrier to entry to have to, you know, jab themselves with a experimental uh, gene therapy. Uh, So that seems to be all coming together to cause a very difficult crisis in the midst of probably the worst time ever when we're the closest to, like, don't get this confused. We are the closest to a world war than we have been since 1942. So, you know, the fact that now we're dealing with this, the fact that now we're dealing with a crisis in recruiting is terrifying. And it should terrify you too, especially when we're, you know, later on what we're going to discuss, arming the enemies of one of the world's largest superpowers, um, it's, it's quite concerning. So the army is doing a couple things to try and combat this recruiting issue. The first thing that they're doing is, uh, you know, making it so that you can show tattoos on your hands and on your wrists. <laughs> we'll see how many people with uh, wrist tattoos are going to help with the 13 to 25% of people that they're getting rid of in the army currently. And then the other one was going to be, there was one more thing. Oh, <laughs> just this little thing called a GED that you no longer have to have to go into the army. Hmm. Now, this sounds a lot like an intentional, uh, purposeful way of taking our military, the strongest military the world has ever seen, ever, and dwindling it down to a bunch of uh, individuals who are uneducated by bringing in people who don't have GEDs, who don't, you know, maybe have the, the um, general political leanings that we see within the military, right? You know, you, you survey the military. I'm sure we can find statistics on this, but you will generally find that the average military individual is not going to be hyper-liberal Antifa members. Um, wonder why? But that's what you're going to find, and so when you see that all come together, we're finding these recruiting issues coming into place, and at the very same time, the U.S. Army is now literally not firing them, not get, not allowing them to you know get a discharge. They're just not paying them. They're just giving them official reprimands and bars of service. So it's it's puzzling to me. It seems. You know, With all of these things coming together, not only making the average IQ in the military go down immediately after passing the fact that you don't have to have a GED anymore to go into the military, <laughs> and then also the fact that you have to get vaccinated and they're getting rid of 60,000 soldiers pay. Now, what does that do to morale? Right. Not only just these 60,000 people, but also the fa- the friends of these individuals. Right. The, the how many people do these 60,000 people know within the military that are now going to be frustrated that their buddy down the hall who's done nothing wrong and has dedicated his life to his service in the military is now not getting paid by the very employer that they have. Right. Because what's next? What are they going to decide not to pay their soldiers for after that? Um, and that would probably concern me if I was still in the military. All right. Um, now, the next thing is going to be Shinzo Abe's assassin. Now, Shinzo Abe is the former Japanese prime minister. And this individual was assassinated, I believe it was about a week and a half ago, um, by a younger individual with a, you know, makeshift pipe gun that he made at home. It looked like like a piece of wood with like two uh, metal barrels down the middle of it that he like electrical taped that them together, um, but basically goes on to say, I don't know if this is a, you know, it doesn't seem to be a motive, you know, maybe unless he's just saying, you know, uh, fuck it all and going after a large, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense how this correlates to the actual assassination, but it's interesting to note nonetheless. Um, Shinzo Abe's assassin forced to give up college after mother's $722,000 donation to the Unification Church. And that came from his uncle. This is on Yahoo News. It goes, the uncle of Shinzo Abe's suspected shooter, Tetsuya Yamagami, stated that Yamagami's mother had donated approximately 100 million yen, or $721,000, to the Unification Church, leading to the family's alleged financial ruin. Now, I think there's probably been a lot of people in the history of man who have seen financial ruin and not, I don't know, murdered and assassinated a high-level official or prime minister. Um, But, you know, nonetheless, doesn't make much sense to me how the correlation's there. But it goes on to say that on Friday, the uncle, who is a 77-year-old older brother of his father, shared that Yamagami's mother first joined the church in 1991 after her husband's suicide in 1984. She made multiple donations to the religious group through her time as a devoted mother— Or devoted member. Sorry, it sounds like she is far more of a devoted member than a devoted mother. (laughs) With seven hundred and twenty-two thousand dollars going to your church and making it so that your son can no longer go to college. Um, Now it goes on to say that despite becoming bankrupt in two thousand and two, she continued giving to the church, albeit in smaller amounts, under the principle of world peace and unification. I believe she was a very important follower of the church, and the uncle said that she, he even believes that she was under mind control. He added that the family was thrown into poverty, and Yamagami was forced to give up college due to financial ruin. And again, that is the assassin of the late and now formally dead uh, prime minister of Japan. The church official stated at a news conference on Monday that it had no direct relationship to Abe, although it did with other lawmakers through an affiliated organization. It also insisted that it had returned five or 50 million yen or $360,000 back to her while claiming there were no records of her donations to the organization. Hmm. I don't see how you can simultaneously say that you never donated and then also give me $360,000 back. <laughs> and I think this is like, if, if you really dive into this and you see You know, what what is the impact of this, right? I'm not very familiar with Japanese politics or politicians. Um, But what I think it is an interesting insight into is the, you know, Japan doesn't have readily, easily access to weapons that we do here in the United States. And everybody says, just ban the guns, right? Ban the guns. We don't need those things. If we get rid of the guns, all of the, uh, you know, uh, all of the criminals in the world are just going to stand in line and they'll never shoot anybody ever again. Even if, you know, and, and so what we see here is he didn't have access to a weapon. He didn't have access to a, AR-15 assault rifle (laughs) and still somehow managed to take two pipes, electrical tape around them and shoot somebody two times and killed them in the middle of the street. So hmm, do with that information what you will. But to me, it shows me that where there's a will, there's a way, whether it's a uh, uh, AR-15, whether it's a Glock, whether it's a knife, whether it's a vehicle running through a parade. I don't know. Who am I? Just a guy. But um, it does seem to me like that $722,000 is being alluded to being the reason why or some type of motivation around why he actually committed this assassination. Uh, But again, I don't see, you know, a lot of other people who have gone into financial ruin just randomly assassinating prime ministers. So now the next article that we're going to go into is England bracing for 40 Celsius or 104 Fahrenheit temperatures and them saying that experts are warning that thousands could die. England says a level for heat alert for the next week means illness and death may occur among the fit and the healthy. Hmm, I find that to be interesting because 40 degrees Celsius is 104 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, if you live anywhere, In the western side of the United States, or like Arizona, it's 112 degrees today (laughs) in Arizona. Um, I don't see a bunch of fit and healthy young individuals dying on the streets because it's 110 degrees. Now, England is saying that because of this, illness and death may occur among the fit and healthy. Now, what would cause young, fit and healthy individuals to randomly fall dead on the streets due to a 100 degree temperatures? Hmm, maybe that's a better question that we should be asking because primarily there are far far more hot countries in the world. Go to the desert, go to Egypt, go to Africa, <laughs> and what you're going to find is that people aren't even the old and, you know, unhealthy are not just randomly dying when it's over 100 degrees Fahrenheit just doesn't happen, especially when in modern culture you have, in England, an apartment, usually, with air conditioning, usually. (laughs) There's no reason that you should be dying from 100 degrees, right? Even where I'm at, where it was not 110 degrees, but around 100 degrees at some point this summer, people weren't just randomly dying on the streets because of it. It makes no sense. But this goes on to say that because of the coming heat wave, experts have warned as the government triggered the very first ever national emergency heat red alert with a record of 104 degree temperature forecast for Southeast England on Tuesday. Um, they say that there could be caused about 1,600 excess deaths, according to official figures. The level four heat alert announced for Monday and Tuesday by the UK Health security agency means illness and death may occur among the fit and healthy and not just high risk groups. I'm pretty sure if you look around the United States today, you go to your weather app on your phone, you're going to find that there's a ton of states, a ton of cities around our country where it is above 104 degrees right now, today. And again, nobody's just dropping dead on the side of the road because it's 100 degrees out. (laughs) I don't know if maybe people in Europe have different genes, um, but you know, growing up around an area that snows a lot, I lived in Florida and it was 110 degrees, and I wore you know army camo and you know had my pants tucked into my boots and marched miles and miles and miles and miles at the time in boot camp and didn't fall over and die because it was 100 degrees out. Now the military does actually take into consideration these you know heat indexes, but. You know, they're not pausing the entirety of the military so that nobody dies off of 104 degrees. (laughs) It just seems odd to me that young and fit individuals are not only going to die from the heat, but also illness, um, which may occur. I don't know. I wonder wonder what the real cause is behind this. One can only imagine. Now, the the next thing, we'll touch on this quickly. I find this just to be a quick little pop culture deal going on right now. Um, Something that, I don't know, speaks to where our society is. But anyways, Ricky Martin allegedly faces 50 years in prison over incest charges with his nephew. Hmm. Some shocking new developments in the Ricky Martin case have been revealed. It was previously reported that Ricky, who is 50, was subject of a domestic abuse restraining order that was filed in Puerto Rico. The police attempted to issue the restraining order, but were unable to locate him. At the time, the accuser's name was kept secret, and Ricky also spoke out to deny the allegations. Now, the accuser has been revealed, and shocking new details were unveiled in a new report. Now, the individual that he did this with is his nephew, and I don't have all of the information on it, but it seems to me that... Well, Here we go. So it says that he was alleged that there was a physical and psychological abuse. And that is from Dennis, who was his um, the report alleged that Dennis ended a seven month relationship with Ricky and the singer did not take it well, consistently reaching out to him and loitering outside his home. You would think Ricky Martin, with all of his, you know, I don't know, fame, celebrity, money status, would probably not be standing outside of people's homes looking to, I don't know or even just being in an incestuous relationship to begin with. But this is what happens when every single front page of every single porn site ever has something to do with incest. I think I think that's a weird thing, right? I think in our culture, like, you go to all of the... And maybe that's the reason for, like, the uh, prevalency today of, like, OnlyFans and all these, you know, little um, more content creator-focused, you know, porn industry-type deals is the, the, the industry in itself, like, the big... I guess you could call it like the porn industrial complex <laughs> seems to lean quite towards like the things that are, um, you know, morally wrong, right? Like not only is it enough to, to put, put porn on the internet, but also to make every single video ever about a stepmom, a stepsister, a you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the prevalency of that in the highest echelons of our entertainment industry, you know, things like game of Thrones and, which I guess is based in reality because back then insist was, Kind of a fairly consistent thing, but yes, Ricky Martin is apparently in an incestuous relationship with his nephew and is now facing 50 years in prison. And his nephew is 21 years old. Ricky Martin is 50 years old, which means if he was Ricky Martin was his nephew's father, he would have been 30 when he had him. Hmm. That's first of all disgusting. Second of all, gross that it's incestuous. And third of all is just wrong. 30-year difference in age, and it also so happens to be your own blood. Hmm. So, let's uh, hope that Ricky Martin gets what he deserves, Um, but it's also interesting that you can actually, like, where is this happening? Puerto Rico is where it actually happened. Huh, Yeah, I guess we'll have to see what comes out with that. It goes on to say at the end of this article that the allegations against Ricky Martin that led to a protection order are completely false and fabricated, his representatives said previously. Of course they did. (laughs) We are very confident that when the true facts come out in this matter, our client Ricky Martin will be fully vindicated. Hmm. Well, let's hope the best for Ricky Martin's nephew. Although I guess sounds like it was a consensual relationship. So you're both wrong and you're both gross. Now, the very next thing is going to be the indoor mask mandate imminent in L.A. County. In this article by Fox 11 in Los Angeles, goes on to say that Los Angeles County remains on pace to enter a high COVID activity level as early as Thursday. The public health director said, and and absent a major reversal in virus related hospitalizations, an indoor mask wearing mandate will be imposed two weeks later. The county is already in the medium COVID level as defined by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, based on the elevated rate uh, rate people are being infected with the virus. I didn't even know this was still around, right? I thought I thought everybody was over it. I thought we were focused on the the Ukraine virus and then the you know Johnny Depp virus and then the you know apparently this is uh, coming back now. Um, But no surprise. I I wonder if there's probably like a bunch of people who just have slept in their mask for two and a half years now and just are so excited that everybody else now has to wear their mask. You know, I haven't been to L in a a while, a few years, but I can only imagine there's a large group of people just so excited that they finally get to wear the color-coded mask outfits that they spent so much money on during the pandemic. Um, But this is literally meaning that businesses, businesses are mandated to now make you wear a mask. Again, this is what caused, you know, fistfights in Home Depots. This is what caused, you know, all of the um, escalating tensions over the last several years was a lot to do with the mask mandates, right? People felt like they had the right to scream and yell at you over you not putting something on your own body to allegedly protect yourself. And, you know, even Fauci came out again and said the masks that we were using weren't effective on top of the fact that he originally said that masks in general just aren't effective, right? But the science changes day by day in this world, you know, besides the one that tells you that, you know, a man can be a woman and a woman can be a man and nobody gets to tell you otherwise, even if you have a penis or a vagina. So, um, Crazy, the world that we live in. But this goes on to say, as of Tuesday, the rate was 8.8 per 100,000 residents. Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer, echoing projections she gave last night, told the Board of Supervisors Tuesday that she expects the county to enter high activity category within days. Um, Now, it says she again pointed to recent studies showing dramatic reduction in infection for risk when people who wear face coverings, particularly for those who wear N95s and KN95s. Uh, masks are already still mandated in some indoor spaces in LA, such as healthcare facilities, transit hubs, and on transit vehicles, airports, correctional facilities, and shelters. Uh, universal mandate would spread the requirement to all indoor public spaces, including shared office spaces, manufacturing fa- facilities, retail stores, indoor events, indoor restaurants, bars, and schools. Hmm. That's terrible to hear. We're going literally backwards now, right? And, and this is the thing about a virus. A virus doesn't go away. It's not just going to die off and we're never going to hear the name COVID again. This is going to be around for a while. And what we've seen is that when people stop talking about it, it seemingly doesn't exist in the world of a lot of people because, you know, where, where we're seeing the biggest hype about it being through news and that news causing things like this coming up, you know. But again, this LA, glad it's not in our country. <laughs> it's its own little island that, that loves their masks. Um, so I'm sure they won't piss off too many people, but my hope is that this does not spread across the U S. Um, now the very next thing, and this is actually coming off of, I'm sure some people at Starbucks are happy because Starbucks just decided to pull out of LA. They pulled out of like Seattle, Seattle. They pulled out of Portland, Oregon. They pulled out of all of these like hyper liberal States, um, because it was a violent and dangerous in these areas. Um, who'd have thought that, Uh, But just saw that as a little side note on here. So I thought I'd mention that. (laughs) Now, um, the next article we're going to discuss is Zelensky's office confirming U.S. plans to train Ukrainian fighter pilots on F-15, F-16 fighter jets. So we will discuss that in just a second. But the next thing I need you to do is listen up. All right. I do not have any advertising on this podcast. I do not have any third parties. Nobody pays me to do this. It's me sitting here, spending my time doing this with you guys, sitting here with you, and nobody pays me to do paid advertisements. But what I do do to monetize my podcast is I do offer life insurance. Now, everybody's been, you know, crazy about, you know, packing up on food and crazy about, you know, the the end of our economy and all of this stuff going on and uh, trying to prepare for those things. Now, that may happen, but And May is a key word. It seems to be every day. We're getting closer and closer to you know a recession if we're not already there yet, which a lot of people on one particular side seem to be denying. But one thing that you can do and one thing that you can know for sure is going to happen is you're gonna die. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow, maybe next year. I hope it's not, I hope it's you know 55 years from now, depending on your age. But you're going to happen. It's going to happen to you. You're going to die. If you're married, if you have children, if you have somebody who depends on you for your income, you should absolutely have health insurance. You should absolutely even more so have life insurance, because if you have debts, if you have a home, if you have rent, and that person that you are responsible for taking care of cannot afford to live on their own, you need to take care of them. And you can do that right now by going to redpillrevolution.co and clicking a little button that says, get a quote. Normally, when you sign up to get life insurance, you get a 100 different calls from a 100 different people, and it's the most annoying ass thing you could ever imagine. All of these people texting you at all times of the night, but you don't get that with this. You can actually do it all online by yourself. You don't have to talk to me. You don't have to talk to anybody else. Go to redpillrevolution.co.com is for losers and... Sign up for some life insurance. What I recommend getting, if you don't know already, what you want is a 15-year term policy at 15 times the amount of your annual salary. And I would appreciate it so much. That's the only way that I make anything off of this podcast is if you sign up at that link at redpillrevolution.co. Protect your assets, protect your family, and go ahead and get some life insurance, right? Because the last thing you want to do is, you know, leave your family with a bunch of debt. All right, that's all I got. Now, the next article that we're going to discuss... (laughs) is going to be Zelensky's office confirming that the US plans to train Ukrainian fighter pilots on F-15 and F-16 fighter jets, which I find to be interesting. About three to five days ago, we saw a lot of news coming out of uh, talks between Iran and Russia with Iran, uh, allegedly in talks to give Russia a bunch of drones. And that sparked Biden getting on uh, the microphone and fumbling through a sentence about how he basically thought it was wrong that anybody should be, uh, you know, funding a war that wasn't theirs. And <laughs> I don't know if that was his exact words, but it seemed quite hypocritical when we're spending billions and billions and billions of dollars funding a war that is not ours by sending them like literally your, your buddies in a fistfight and you throw him a knife and allow him to stab the guy and expect the other guy's buddy over there not to give him a knife if he had one. Like, it makes no sense that they're so hypocritical with this. You know, what do you expect if you're going to spend 60, 70 billion dollars sending, you know, Lord knows what over to Ukraine to give to Lord knows who? right? I mean, I think we do know who when that comes into context, right? When we talk about the new um, leaks from Hunter Biden's cell phone, which is going to be the very next episode, I believe that we will do, is going to be a deep, deep dive into what actually came in that leak, 456 gigabytes of data of Hunter Biden's 126,000 emails, pictures from, you know, all sorts of sexual escapades and drug use and his uh, uh, underage niece, who he allegedly, had a uh, sexual relationship with, Um, I don't know, all sorts of crazy stuff came out of that. But another thing that came out of that was those emails from his account at Rosemont Seneca. Rosemont Seneca was Hunter Biden's investment firm that basically did a bunch of shady energy deals in Ukraine, um, uh, peddling his father's influence through companies like Burisma. Um, I I was reading last night, I dove like deep into this. That's why we're not doing it today is because I have more to look into to it before I put it together for you guys. Um, But it's pretty wild. Um, All of the connections between corporations, all of the things, all the changes of money between Ukraine and the United States, the Biden family in Ukraine, um, China, all of it. So it's it's pretty wild. Um, But Anyways, $60 billion getting sent to Ukraine. We don't have any clue where it's actually going. But what we do know and what's come out recently is going to be the fact that uh, Ukraine basically was peddling, you know, they've been pushing out these weapons. Like they, there's been like a, a backdoor exchange of money where um, these weapons have been found in other countries now. So basically we're sending hundreds of thousands like $60 billion over to Ukraine and tons of tons of weapons and, you know, talking about showing their fighter pilots how to fly F-15s and F-16s. And then also, you know, they're sending the same weapons out the door, the back door, and, and profiting from them that way as well. Hmm. Who'd have thought? Um, so I find that to be interesting, but let's go ahead and read this. And there's a reason that the F-15 is actually specifically important in this. It's not just the fact that, and I, and I think that the UN has come out and said that they will not supply the F-15s. I wonder how many F-15s Ukraine had before this engagement, <laughs> um, but apparently they're going to be um, training their fighter pilots on how to use them. And again, so we'll read this article real quick, and then we'll go back to actually why the F-15 is actually important because there's a specific reason why it's not just the fighting capabilities of actually has to do with the radar system that attaches, um, that can connect with NATO. Um, So that's one of the reasons, and we'll discuss what that actual radar system is. But this article goes on to say that Zelensky's office confirms U.S. plans to train Ukrainian fighter pilots on F-15 and F-16 fighter jets. Earlier, uh, let's see, it says, according to the journalist, part of the amount should go to Ukrainian fighter pilots of the $840 billion defense policy bill that was passed from the U.S. House. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. According to the, the journalist, part of the amount should go to training Ukrainian fighter pilots. I wonder if that's supposed to be a million? Uh, 840 billion? Oh my gosh. And this is coming from Yahoo News, so I can't imagine they had that big of a typo. Um, but according to the journalist, part um, of this amount should go towards training the fighter pilots. The United States plans to train Ukrainian fighter pilots of the F-15 and F-16 fighter jets. This amendment to the U.S. fiscal year 2023 defense funding bill was supported by the House of Representatives. A total of $100 million is planned to be allocated for this. In turn, political scientist and publicist Andrei Piantovsky believes that this is an indirect confirmation that Ukraine will get U.S. fighter jets as military aid to defend Russia. However, it is still difficult to say when exactly this may happen. I believe they've come out and said like the U.N. has come out and said specifically that they're not going to they're like they have an unofficial agreement not to actually send the fighter jets over to Ukraine. We'll see how long that goes. Um, but so the, the actual specific reason that this is important. And I saw this from a conversation on Reddit discussing this thread where they went into the actual reason why this is important. Um, so let's read what that is. Somebody talks about it being a specific reason due to the radar usage. Um, But this actually goes on to say that um, let's read the first comment first, which says Ukraine will need replacement systems for almost all of their Soviet era equipment. Eventually, Russia sure won't sell them anything. The F-16 is the logical replacement for their aging MiG-29s. It's tried and tested technology which is well-suited for Ukraine's current needs. They don't need some deep-strike stealth jet. They need something reliable to protect their own airspace. Maybe training fire pilots will make a while, Will take a while, but waiting until all their MiG-29s are either shot down or simply won't fly due to lack of spare parts might not be the prudent thing to do. Maybe uh, they won't get F-16s, but it's good thinking to at least have the option rather than being out of options. Now, um, this is the part that I find to be most interesting. And says it might be mentioned elsewhere, and I'll get buried anywhere, but the real capability leap here is that these airframes are designed to network with NATO radars in a way that the aircraft currently in Ukraine's inventory are not. Those big old flying radomes are quite handy for blowing things away over the horizon. Not going to be pretty for our Russian friends. Um, It says it's called data link. So that's the actual radar type that is allowing the NATO individuals to be able to utilize the radar facilities or the radar data that's going to be coming from these F-15s. Um, So it says that it's called data link, and it's basically like playing with cheat codes on if there's an AWACS in the sky or any friendly planes, all sharing sensor data amongst each other. So it's basically going to allow them to see their airspace much more clear to see who's around um, and how to actually properly approach it from the airspace perspective um, by having the F-15. So it's not just the fighting capabilities, right? It's not just the fact that they can now, you know, go up against the fighter jets of Russia. It's actually that they can utilize the radar facilities and the radar capabilities of the F-15 to now fight back with that data. So I thought that to be interesting, right? Now, I still think it's funny, the hypocrisy that came out of this between uh, Ukraine getting all of the $60 billion and Biden specifically funding it, And then him coming out and, you know, uh, critiquing Iran for even considering the fact that they might give drones to Russia. It's like, what do you expect, right? Everybody has allies. And when you have half the world funding this war between a large nuclear superpower and Ukraine, which is basically a subsidiary of the U.N. and the United States by proxy... Um, What do you expect? They have their own allies who are going to fund them, right? Like I said, if there was a fist fight that happened in the bar between your buddy and some random guy and you throw him a knife, don't be surprised when his buddy throws him a knife or even a gun, right? Like it's kind of expected here. Um, So I think that's interesting. I think it'll be um, interesting to see if we actually do supply the F-15s. i don't know why they wouldn't at this point with the way that you know we've funded basically the entirety of this war. You go look at the list of people who have sent money to Ukraine, and it's like the United States has sent like 70 billion dollars. If this article is right, that number went from 70 billion to like 840 billion. <laughs> I don't think that's correct, though. Um, I believe it was million is what they meant to say. Uh, so Yahoo News, if you need an editor, give me a shout. I'll help you out. Uh, but. now the next thing that we're going to go into is going to be terminalist now if you don't know what terminalist is terminalist is the number one show on amazon prime right now and it's a show about a navy seal it's actually from a book written by um uh car i forget his first name i'll look at we'll know here in just a second when i start this video um but It's a book called The Terminalist, and Chris Pratt is the lead in this show, and uh, it's about a Navy SEAL, and there'll be a little bit of spoiler alerts here. So if you're in the middle of watching the first to three or four episodes, maybe the first three episodes, you know, skip ahead maybe a couple minutes. (laughs) Um, But uh, basically, it's about a Navy SEAL who has his family, spoiler alert, right? Three, two, one. His family get murdered. Sorry if you're still listening to this. His family gets murdered and he finds out that he has a brain tumor and his entirety of his Navy SEAL team gets murdered in a uh, mission that they were on. And he finds out that it was due to a corporation that was basically giving soldiers medication that was supposed to help block their PTSD and that gave him a brain tumor. And in order to try and wipe the slate clean and you know, not have anybody come out and speak out against this drug that's basically happening between you know being sold to these businesses, Um, they, you know, basically kill all of the Navy SEALs and try to kill them off so there's no evidence, okay? There's the premise. Now, the company that is the one that funded the pharmaceutical medications is like a big, huge conglomerate that owns every company ever and just does these investment deals between them. And this is where it gets interesting. So Rotten Tomatoes gave a rating to the terminal list of like a 30% rating, Which, if you know Rotten Tomatoes and you follow the actual rating systems, um, usually falls pretty in line, at least in some cases, with the audience score. In this case, the audience gave it like a 95% rating. 96%, I think, last time I checked. And uh, we'll talk about why that's interesting and what might be the cause behind that. But first, we'll actually look at the author talking on Fox News to Tucker Carlson around what he believes uh, is going on there and why. And here we... Go. think of Amazon, pretty cool that
1: they made it. Terminal List is based, of course, on a best-selling book by Jack Carr. He's one of the executive producers. He's a former Navy SEAL, one of the best-selling novelists in America. One of the good guys. Jack Carr, thanks so much for coming on. So it must must please, first of all, congratulations on the book, the many books, this um, show. But it must please you in a way, not all viewers hate it, not all critics hate it, but viewers like it much more than critics. How do you feel about that? Oh, it it, uh, falls right in line with everything uh, that I understand about the current culture and climate in America right now, and it seems to have triggered quite a few of these critics. And I have a couple examples here. Daily Beast titled their review, The Terminal List is an unhinged right-wing revenge fantasy, which is odd (laughs) because right, left, conservative, liberal are not even mentioned in the show, but uh, I think it may be because the protagonist is competent with uh, weapons and tactics. He's strong. He holds those in power accountable, Uh, and that could be unsettling for some, particularly some maybe senior members of the military who have failed upwards over the last 20 years. Uh, They go on to write, There is some serious danger to the terminalist pandering to red state viewers with routine references to beer, guns, country music, and hunting. Uh, the Daily Beast does not like those things. It does not sound like it is much fun over there, but the, uh, the 95% uh, viewer rating, audience rating, makes it all worth it. We didn't make it for the critics. Uh, we made it for those in the arena. We made it for the soldier, sailor, airman, and marine that went downrange to Iraq and Afghanistan so they could sit on the couch and say, hey, these guys put in the work. They put in the effort to make something special and make a show that speaks, uh, speaks to them. And that 95% rating lets me know that we at least got Close. And then uh, one more line here. It's from TV Line. It says The Fugitive Meat SEAL team meets a Don't Tread On Me truck decal where served up huge helpings of red meat masculinity and lots and lots of American flags. They don't like American flags over there. Game uh, Rant even cites revol- Revolutionary War era Don't Tread On Me flags as a negative. So it's odd that both Game Rants and TV Line had to go back to the 1700s to take the side of the British in their reviews, I found.
0: I thought that was hilarious. They had to go back to take the side of the British because the meets the don't tread on me thing. I don't know. I thought that was funny. So what this is, again, this is a a conversation between uh, Jack Carr, who's the writer of The Terminalist, discussing why he believes it got the ratings that he did. Now, he discusses a little bit in there, which is challenging the powers that be in large corporate organizations. And that is exactly why I think Rotten Tomatoes gave this the rating that it has. And I think it has a lot more to do with who owns Rotten Tomatoes and the similarities between the types of things that that company does and what's actually going on in this show here, which I find to be interesting. Um, but again, we'll discuss that in one more minute. We have 20, 30 seconds left in this clip, and then we'll continue on and discuss the actual reason why I think The Terminal List is getting the ratings that it is, because I think it's a lot deeper than what Jack Carr is actually alluding to here.
1: That's uh, quite telling. <laughs> but uh, someone wrote a, a horrible review of one of my latest novel, In the Blood, and they said uh, something along the lines of, what, what do you even call a book like this? And uh, you call it a, a number one New York Times bestselling novel and someone wrote the same thing about this show and uh, you call that the number one series on prime video all
0: right so that is all we will listen to on that now here is my theory around why i believe that the terminal list got the ratings that it did now if you know the show of the terminal list it's about a corporate a large owning corporate investment company that invests in smaller companies who is the powers that be right the deep state and what ends up happening here is the same type of company that they're alluding to causing these soldiers deaths that this man is going after (laughs) is is the same one that owns rotten tomatoes (laughs) if you know who rotten tomatoes is owned by it's comcast okay now comcast is not the big bad wolf i'm sure in some senses it might be but who is is who owns comcast right and you usually have to go two levels high because they have some type of hierarchy here so the owner of comcast is i want you to take a guess starts with a black and ends with a rock. (laughs) And the other highest owner of Comcast is Vanguard. So the same companies that are a part of the military industrial complex, a part of the pharmaceutical industry, a part of the same people who are testing drugs on our military members, also so happens to own the critiquing companies that critique the movies that this show is talking about these same type of organizations. So I think the reason that this got critiques that it did, the reason that these critics are going after the terminalists is A, not only the fact that Chris Pratt is basically the only conservative that's out there, um, but B, the fact that BlackRock and Vanguard are the very companies that this fictional book is alluding to having these types of powers and doing these types of things. Now, if you were the owner of BlackRock and Vanguard and you wanted to eliminate the possibility that the general population wakes up to the idea that there's large conglomerate, multinational, multi trillion dollar companies owned by royalty and old, old money and the Rothschilds and all these you know, deep state individuals and George Soros's of the world, those same individuals are the ones that this show is talking about going after for doing the types of things that these very companies like BlackRock and Vanguard. Do, they own the pharmaceutical companies? They own the the movie crit- critics. They own the the companies that uh, actually release the films. And in this case, they weren't able to get their hands on it. Which, you know, to me is in some way telling. Of, uh, you know, I guess it is on Amazon. So maybe you know, Amazon is actually also owned by BlackRock. So maybe that's an easy uh, way of saying that maybe not the case. But it seems to me like this absolutely has to be a hit job on the idea that this is. This show is pushing which is that there's these large monopoly companies that own everybody and everything and they literally assassinate people for profit which we 100 percent can conclude happens in the world right for if you are that naive that you don't think corporations are killing people so that they can continue to continue profit whether in one way or another directly with assassinations um or by you know just poisoning the general population both physically and mentally with the types of, you know, propaganda that they push, um, then you are naive. But I think that's the real reason. I also think another reason that they're going after Chris Pratt is because he's literally the only conservative-ish type of actor in Hollywood. And this mov- movie or show has to do with guns and weapons. And like he said, hunting and all of these, you know, um, what is that? Revenge porn, uh, conservative, extreme right wing ideas like hunting. (laughs) Um, So apparently that just rubbed the critics the wrong way. But I think it more so has to do with who actually owns Rotten Tomatoes, which is Comcast, which is owned by BlackRock and Vanguard. Um, so there's my theory take it or leave it but you should go watch The Terminal List I think it's a really interesting you know I think it's probably some of Chris Pratt's best acting you know which maybe you know generally speaking he's not the greatest you know method actor in the world (laughs) but he seems to have taken this very seriously and what Jack Carr does in this show that I appreciate is he talks about how they took a specific aim in this show wanting to go about it in a way that the veterans the special forces individuals that are out there that have conducted these missions watch it and go yes that is exactly you know, how I think that would play down the tactics that they use the, you know, the military jargon and abbreviations that seem to be half of the words (laughs) that you use in the military is very prevalent. Um, but I, I definitely think that that plays into it. And I also think that the fact that, you know, they're owned by the very companies that this show is waking people up to existing also has to do with it but it has 95% by the audience. 95% score, which is, you know, again, obviously pretty damn close to the highest score you can get. And then the critics give it a 30%. If you watch some, I've watched some shitty movies out there and uh, they didn't get 30%. And The Terminal List is not one of those shows. You cannot like the content. You can say that it's, uh, you know, um, revenge porn, which it's literally a show about somebody who gets his family murdered after being in the military and then goes after the people who murdered his family. It's fiction. It's not real. Just in case you guys were curious at Rotten Tomatoes, um, but <laughs> I, it's it's interesting the fact that the critics gave it such a low score when the audience believes that the acting, the the show itself, you know, everything about it was was really well done, which I agree with, including the fact that there was a ton of Navy Seals who were on set with this. Chris Pratt did a ton of training. I think he went to Tarrant Tactical in L.A. Um, and did their courses and learned how to clear rooms and learned how to act properly in these situations. And you know, said that it was an opportunity for him to really step up, um, his acting. And I think that he really did accomplish that. I think it's a great show. You should, you should, if you haven't started watching it yet, um, you should, I, I really think it's a good show. Um, you know, if you don't like violence, then maybe it's not the show for you, but you know, at the same time that these critics are praising shows that are out there that, you know, are very, very gory. Um, you know, terminal list has a couple spots that are a little rough, but (laughs) overall it's a very, very well done show. I, I don't see any reason that the critics should do that other than my theory, which is that, you know, George Soros did it. (laughs) Not exactly, but kind of. Um, So the next thing is going to be um, the fact that Ivana Trump died in an accident. Um, According to this article by CNBC, Ivana Trump died in a, seems to be a car accident from blunt impact injuries. Um, And that was said by a New York City medical examiner. Says Ivana Trump, the first wife of ex-president Donald Trump, died in an accident as a result of suffering blunt force impact injuries to her torso. Um, and she was 73 years old, um, and was found dead in her Manhattan residence. So not a car accident, died of blunt force trauma, not from a car accident. I thought it was a car accident. Um, the first wife died in an accident as a result. How do you die from blunt impact injuries to your torso in your own apartment? The New York attorney general's office said that it had agreed at the request of lawyers for Donald Trump and two of his children to postpone depositions scheduled for next week in light of Ivana's death. Wow. So that took a turn. I wasn't expecting that. I literally thought this was from a car accident when I pulled up the article. Um, and it seems to be that there's probably a little bit more to it than that. It says Ivana Trump, the first wife of former president Donald Trump, died in an accident as a result of suffering blunt impact injuries to her torso. A senior New York City official with direct knowledge of the matter said the circumstances of her death are consistent with a fall on the stairs. NBC News reported the official added the death is not suspicious, says the official. Yeah, OK. Yeah, OK, bud. You you fell down the stairs and died from trauma to your stomach. The official added that the death is not suspicious. Yeah, Okay. The official ruling came a day after Ivana was found dead in her Manhattan resident after the New York Fire Department responded to a call from there. Earlier Friday, the New York State Attorney General's office said it had agreed to, at the request of lawyers for Donald Trump and two of his children to postpone depositions. Jeez, I would hope so. A spokesperson for the Office of the Medical Chief Examiner said that the cause of Ivana's death was blunt impact trauma and the matter of her death was the manner of her death was accident. How do you know that? Unless that individual is literally sitting in the room with her when she falls down the stairs onto her torso and then dies from it. What? There's so many sketchy like celebrity deaths and things like I I still feel like the Bo Biden situation is a little off. I guess he died of like brain cancer, Um, but it still seems to me any high level official who has family or friends or they themselves die, it's always hyper, hyper suspicious to me. And this one seems very suspicious. If you know anything about the staircase documentary on Netflix, (laughs) this this might've not been, you know, the accident that they're alluding to. I would assume it's pretty difficult to fall downstairs and die from blunt trauma to your torso, right? I can see that from your head, right? If you fall down some stairs and you bash your head on some concrete or something, that makes way more sense to me than blunt force trauma to your torso. It says that Trump's divorce in 1990 was acrimonious with both parties waging their battle in the Big Apple's tabloid newspaper, the New York Post, and the New York... Yeah, seems like not the time to be discussing their divorce. Um, Trump, 76, married his third wife, Melania, in 2005. The elder Trump, Donald Jr. and Ivanka, have been set to be deposed next week by investigators. So, Oh, Ivanka, so the daughter. Okay, so not Ivana. Um, James is eyeing whether the company's illegally manipulated those valuations for financial benefits such as reduced tax or favorable loan terms. Eric Trump previously was deposed in the case, but involved or invoked his Fifth Amendment right um, more than 500 times. That's a lot of times, Eric. Um, James' spokesperson on Friday said, in light of the passing of Ivana Trump, we received a request for counsel for Donald Trump and his children to adjourn all three depositions. Now, I don't know the reason why or what is going on behind the scenes here, but the fact that Trump's being deposed currently for the January 6th deal and then also happens to have his ex-wife, you know, just talking about the terminal list with large corporations who are killing people off so that they don't go to court and speak about something specific that would harm them, their profitability. And then the ex-wife of the president at 73, seemingly healthy individual, falls and dies from... Blunt trauma to her torso? Obviously, this is horrible. Regardless of where you lean politically, you should obviously have sympathy for the family. Um, that's terrible to happen to anybody, especially in that manner, right? How long was she laying there? If that was an accident, the fact that, you know, it probably wasn't an accident, in my opinion, based on the circumstances, the timing, The fact that the most controversial figure in the world's ex-wife dies under weird circumstances falling down the stairs, right? Probably seems like the most OG way to assassinate somebody besides showing that they killed themselves is them falling down the stairs. I don't know. Just a guy who watched a lot of murder documentaries, (laughs) Um, but it seems suspect to me. Um, again, terrible, horrible. If it's an accident, that's sad. It's terrible. Um, If it's not an accident, one has to only imagine why, who did this? Why did they do it? Um, But it definitely seems a little, if not a lot, a bit fishy to me. Um, The fact that you, you generally don't just fall down the stairs, hurt your torso, your chest, your stomach. If you didn't know what a torso was (laughs) and also die as a result of that trauma. Um, What did you fall into that caused that trauma? You know, are you falling flat on the floor? Like I just, it makes no sense to me. This is, this is super suspect. Um, And again, terrible for the family, terrible for the individuals involved. um, But very, very sad and very, very suspect situation to have occurred here. Um, But I don't know what to make of it yet. I guess time will tell, and maybe it won't, as we saw with Epstein, because, you know, the situations that happen here, the same individuals who would do something like this if the terminal list is right, <laughs> have enough power, have enough wielding in, in the legal system to where nobody would ever find this out. They would pay off the, you know, who did, the, who did they say? The, the expert um, added the death was not suspicious. Um, I don't know. Seems super suspicious. But to be not suspicious, right? The fact that they just within a day before even any information comes out about how it happened, why it happened. You know, I'm sure if you're Ivana Trump, you have dozens of cameras in your Manhattan loft mansion. I don't know. I would assume. Right. I know everybody on the damn street here has a ring on their door. Right. You don't think that Ivana Trump billions of dollars has a few cameras in her house. And maybe if she does, they will release them, but I wouldn't hold your breath. Um, This goes on to say, this is a secondary article that I clicked on that said that they said that it was not suspicious. Let's see if it has any more information surrounding the actual uh, event. Um, It talks about Ivana a little bit. It says, Ivana Trump was a survivor. She fled from communism and embraced this country. She taught her children about grit, toughness, compassion, and determination. She will be dearly missed by her mother, her three children, and 10 grandchildren. Hmm. So, um, sad just in general, regardless of where you lean or who you believe in or what you think politically, a 73 year old falling down the stairs and dying from stomach trauma definitely comes with its own suspicions. All right. Now the next thing that we're going to discuss here is going to be a Senate hearing where there was a line of questioning that I found to be interesting. Um, we'll see if you have the same thoughts and here is the clip right now.
2: Uh, Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase. I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women? No, I don't think, I don't think <laughs> so. It you really. are
3: denying that trans people exist? this, and
2: that you. leads to violence. Is this how you run your classroom? Are students allowed to question you, absolutely. or are they also treated like this? Where no, no, you're no, told that allowed to they're opening up people to oh, violence. We
3: have a good time in my class. You should join. Oh, I bet you might learn a lot.
2: Wow, I, I would learn a lot. I've learned a lot since this exchange. I know, absolutely extraordinary. Yep. Um,
0: I believe she's a Yale law professor or from some sort of prestigious university. This woman gets up there and says basically that um, talking about trans individuals and the fact that he he asked her, you know, what are they? And I, I guess that's the conversation that I think is interesting to bring up with these people is like, you know, again, I think you should be able to do whatever you want. I don't think the government should infringe upon your right to do anything, but for you to try to force other people to abide by your reality and not their own is not your place to do so. And it's definitely not the government's place to enforce it or social media companies. Um, but in this case scenario, she asks him, do you think a man can get pregnant? And this guy says, no, I don't think that a man can get pregnant. And she says that he's opening up trans people to violence for saying that men don't get pregnant. It's so bizarre to me, and I maybe touched on this a little bit too much over the last few episodes, but it's just, we're in a crazy little clown world right now where, you know, people's reality of the last, like this has literally only been a conversation for the last two years. And to treat somebody that way over a difference in perspective on what you deem to believe your reality is, which is that men can be women and women can be men. And the word is so convoluted of being a man or a woman now that none of it matters. But also, it does matter because you have to call them by what they believe themselves to be, or else you're uh, opening them to violence. I think that's a silly argument and a silly conversation. Somebody, you can you can play all the mental gymnastics that you want. You can say that you know trans people can't have or can have babies. A trans man can have a baby because they're actually a woman and they have biological uteruses and can have children through the uterus, but they believe themselves to be a man but their body allows them to be a woman physically. And so that changes the reality of whether or not they can have children. I guess that's the argument, right? Um, Let me try that better. (laughs) The argument is that a woman who is a woman, but believes herself to be a man can have a baby as a man because she's no longer a woman because she decides that she's a man, but when, but is now identifying as a man and a man can identify as a woman, but the man who identifies as a woman can't have a baby because they're actually a man. I just confused myself. So I don't know, maybe. I don't know. It seems like a you can say whatever you want. If you want to say that men can have women, men can have babies, not women. <laughs> men can have babies because before they were women, and now they also are a man that has a uterus, and that allows them to have a baby, but they're actually a man. It's it's a very, you just have to understand that that's mental gymnastics. You're playing a, a word game, Right. The, the, I said this before, gender and genitals have the same root word, which is, if we look it up, I don't think I even discussed this last time. If you look at the actual root word, like the, um, what is it? The uh, Latin of gen, which is where that word derives. That's the derivative of the word. Um, that's the, where it comes from. It means something produced, but mainly in modern use, um, things are causes or born of, born of gender genitals gen latin born of okay that's the words okay you know a lot of people think that words are useless and don't mean anything and they're just sounds and it's a construct which in some cases you are correct but there's a derivative of the word gen the gen in gender and the gen in genitals have the same derivative latin meaning which is born of you were born of being a man, you were born of being a woman. Whether you would want somebody to call you a man or want somebody to call you a woman and you wanna wear certain types of clothing and you know participate in, I don't know, maybe not sports, but other things, I don't care. Do what you wanna do. I, you know, I think everybody should be able to do whatever they wanna do when they wanna do it. But the fact that you're gonna sit here and tell this man that he's opening people up to violence for questioning your line of thinking, which was only developed in the last two years as a mainstream ideological perspective, but you want to tell him that he's opening up people to violence because he doesn't agree with you that a man who, or a woman who identifies as a man is actually a man who can actually have a baby. No, it, they have a uterus. It's a woman, and that's the reason they can have a baby is because they were born of gen, Latin derivatives, born of the genitals, the gender of being a woman. Now, again, do whatever you want to do. You know, you're a, a woman who's a man now and a man who wants to be a woman now. You know, great. Do you. That's awesome. You know, the the government shouldn't infringe on that. Nobody should be violent towards you for having that perspective or wanting to pursue your truth or whatever you want to call it. Um, But you can't tell this man that he's inciting violence and causing people to kill themselves because he doesn't believe that a man can have a baby because biologically, they cannot. Biologically, they cannot. Biologically, a man with a uterus is actually a woman. And a woman who has a penis is actually a man. That's the way the gender works. That's the way the biology works. And the way the biology works is somebody with a uterus can have a baby. And that uterus means that they're born of being a woman. So that line of questioning, and then she gets super snippy with him. Like the fact that you want to be so kind, like if you want to, and this is the problem with a lot of the mainstream arguments that people are having that is such mental gymnastics. Cause again, I'm of the framework and of the mindset that like, I'm not going to infringe on you being you do you, I don't care. Be a fucking cat if you want to be. But don't get pissed off at me if I call you ma'am when we're in a store and I'm being polite by opening the door for you. Whatever, right? Like, don't be fucking offended when the world, the the normal construct, the binary, right? Because gender is actually binary. You're A or you're B. A means you have a penis. B means you have a vagina. And you can't intermingle, right? You can't eventually, you can flip your You can have as many surgeries as you want. You still can't have a baby if you're a man. okay? And you can play as many gymnastics as you want mentally, but it doesn't mean that you get to push your ideological perspectives on other people and tell them they're causing violence and making people commit suicide. right? And and the actual framework of that argument is so flawed because the amount of people who commit suicide as a result of being trans is not due to somebody telling you they can't have a baby. It's generally due to the fact that the DSM-5 Identify gender dysphoria as a mental issue up until, I don't know, they probably changed it in like the last 48 hours. Um, But it was a gender dysphoria. It was literally taught to me in psychology the same way. Now, again, you'll find this being actually pushed ideologically in, in, in censorship now because Reddit this week just passed new rules and regulations or whatever saying that if you say that somebody who is a I think the, what was it they they use the word groomer or pedophile. If you use the word groomer or pedophile on Reddit today, you can be flagged for hate speech. That is in the new rules and regulations of Reddit that was just passed this week. Right now, they're saying specifically I think in the what the article that I was reading that it could be used to for people who are calling people who are trans or uh uh, gay or whatever as being groomers But that's not what people are doing When they're assimilating it They're assimilating it to that Because when you go online And you see all of these atrocious videos Of these, uh, you know um, What are they called? What are they, they're not trans They're, uh, what's the word? Where they go, um, damn, what's it called? They go get dressed up And they dance all crazy And they put on all makeup But they're not a woman They don't identify as a woman uh, What's the word? What's the word? Hmm. Guess we can't find it. You know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I can't believe I can't think of it. Um, But whatever, right? The people who dance, right? Let's see. Maybe one more. One more try. One more try. Drag queens. Thank you. All right. We got somebody. (laughs) Drag queens. All right. So drag queens is where they go dress up and they do a whole show and they have fun and they dance. And it's this like sexual experience. And they're like to freely express themselves in a dress when actually they, you know, are a man or whatever. Um, But what we found in the last I don't know, a few months is in these pride parades and things you're seeing like people topless dancing and shaking their boobs in front of like young children. You're seeing like uh, these drag queens twerking in front of children at a table for like a, a pride awareness party at a strip club. Like it's all of this weird little, and there was a video that I saw that I respect highly, this drag queen who came out and said that, you know, drag is a highly sexualized, high, high intensity like drug culture. It's what it is. He said, he said, because it's drag, not a trans, he said that he believes that there's no reason that they should be doing this. There's no reason children should be around. Drag is not intended for children. It's a hypersexualized culture that's based on sexuality in some way, shape, or form. And that there's no, anybody who wants children at these types of events are groomers and are pedophiles because that's fucking creepy. Why do you want to shake your ass or your boobs in front of a six-year-old? And if somebody did that to my child on the side of the street, I'm sorry, I'm hitting you for sexually assaulting my child very hard <laughs> because that's sexual assault. You don't get to put your boobs in front of a child, regardless of what parade you're at, and, and then, ex- and then censor people for calling you a groomer, like in the same way that we talked about Disney, right? The Baymax series that just came out, um, like two weeks ago and you have the, the, the trans man or trans man, trans man, who's actually a woman giving input on tampons, but there was no context around it. They didn't tell you it was a trans person. They didn't tell you they used to be a woman and now they're a man. They just had the trans flag on their shirt and said what type of tampons they use and then pushed those episodes to five, six and seven year olds because that's what the child side of Disney is about. It's about people who are under the age of seven because over seven, you get access to all the shows or something like that. So that's what that is. It's grooming. It's the same thing of Disney putting sex in the stars in the Lion King. It's the same thing of the guy having an erection in in The Little Mermaid. It's the same thing as it's all grooming. It's all them hypersexualizing our culture from a very young age. And why else would you wanna push these things in in Before sex education, right? I think this is the biggest point that you can make about this. If you want to have a conversation about trans, gay, lesbian, straight, sex, uh, literally whatever you want to have that's a conversation around sexuality, which has, again, root words, sex in it, it should be done at the age of sex ed or above. You shouldn't have to pass a bill in Florida that gets ridiculed for being the don't say gay bill when actually in reality, what we were saying is don't push your sexual ideology onto our children under the age of seven or eight or whatever it was. Yeah, because you don't have sex education until you're in sixth grade. And even when you're in sixth grade and you have that sex education, you have to get a parent consent form in order to be educated by the state and have your child be told about sex by the state. There's a reason, there's a reason that you have to have a parent consent form at sixth grade to learn the biological aspects of sexuality and sex and how your body works. Because some parents don't want that ideology being pushed by the state. They don't want the mainstream narratives around sexuality or whatever this is to be given to them by a teacher who they don't know personally, who may be a fucking creep on their own. They don't want that. And it's completely expected. I don't know who my children's teachers are. maybe I don't want my sixth grade six or what is it? Sixth grade would be like, what, 12. Maybe I don't want my 12 year old being educated about sex and the different types of sex by a middle-aged creeper ass man who's usually the gym teacher looking at girls in short shorts all day. And that's the only reason they got the job because he's a creep. You should be able to use the word groomer or pedophile when they're doing something that alludes to them being a groomer or a pedophile. Seems like a pretty straightforward concept, Reddit. But no, they don't want that. Because eventually, the whole point of the little alphabet here, right? what started rightfully as a movement for sexuality and people who are gay and lesbian and bisexual to be able to sexually express themselves however they want without the government intervening in their sex life, which they should absolutely be able to do, get married, whatever, 100% should be able to do that. But once you start throwing the T's and the pluses, eventually... Along comes the P, and the P stands for pedophile, and that's the exact reason behind all of this to begin with, with all of their little convoluted acronyms, is eventually the damn list gets so long that if you question pedophilia, you are now questioning gay, lesbian, and bisexuals. The same way that they've jumped on the boat with trans jumping onto the sexuality movement with gay and bisexuals. And trans is not a sexuality. It is not a sexual preference. It has nothing to do with how you express yourself sexually. And I've seen all of these like um, liberals of TikTok videos and um, all of these conversations surrounding like these younger women and men or Zsers, M, Zs, uh, don't know what Zeus. Um, talking about, you know, I am you know, trying to explain their pronouns and trying to explain their sexuality. And they'll say something like, you know, everybody asks me what, how to, they should address me because I am a gay, queer, bisexual, trans individual who also identifies as a cat who's actually into lamps. It's like, what, what are you? Because that doesn't make any sense. Sexuality is about your sex life. It's not about how you identify your gender. And, and when you put in the acronyms, the L, the, and the Gs, and the Bs makes perfect sense next to each other. And Q is just, I don't really get that one. There's another way of reshaping the idea of the first three, but just in a convoluted way where you really don't know. And then the Ts have a completely separate category. And eventually, as I said, it's eventually the whole point is to lead to a P or what is it? What are they, The maps, minor attracted individuals or a sick ass Pedophile is what that is and that's what they want to put at the end of it So excuse me as a parent when you're trying to teach my child sexuality on Disney When you're trying to teach my five six seven years old on the child side of Disney Excuse me when you're trying to teach sexuality in my schools to my five-year-old literally I drive down the road in my town and every single elementary school Has like a trans flag on their little electronic thing like who the hell, what percentage of elementary school kids have gender dysphoria or are trans or, you know, and, 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 but what they're doing is they're planting seeds, right? They're planting seeds because eventually when you, you make that idea available, right? Because when you're a child, you have a bubble, right? You have this little bubble. That's the world as your parents had made it for you, right? And sometimes that's great and it's happy and you have a great life and, and it's love and it's happiness and it's fun and it's, you know, challenges and, 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 becoming a better person. and sometimes it's abuse and and horrific things and and you know, abusive households and and yelling and and scared and like all of these things. So there's a bubble, right? For better or for worse when you're a child between the ages of even like zero and probably, I don't know, probably like 14. You're in this bubble of like really, you don't know how the world works and the construct of the world has been made up for you by your parents. And to the extent that they want to shield you for better or for worse from the world, Right, that's because maybe there is something abusive going on or the world is abusive and they want to shield you from that. There, there, there's a bubble around that individual. There's a bubble around that child. And when you go in with a, a needle and pop that bubble because you have a specific ideology that you want to push on children, it's wrong, right? And again, if, if you're not teaching sex education until sixth grade, when they're 12, why should you be able to push a trans uh, gender ideology onto my five-year-old? In elementary school or preschool, and the only reason you would want to do that is because you are grooming them. That is the whole point. I I don't know how other what other way to look at it. So I I would like let's watch this clip one more time. We'll see what we else we we kind of pick from it because it was kind of a heated exchange. um, But I would be interested in to see what what I think there was a couple pieces there that I wanted to to point out. So this time I'll talk over it and we'll uh, we'll discuss it while it's going on and I'll pause it. So here we go.
2: Uh, Professor Bridges, you said several times, you've used a phrase, I want to make sure I understand what you mean by it. You've referred to people with a capacity for pregnancy. Would that be women?
0: And that's the other problem of the breakdown. It's like if you say that you are a man who identifies as a woman, so now you're a woman. Cool. Do your thing. Um, but what are, if you're identifying as a woman, then what are you identifying as categorically? Like what are you saying that you are? Right, Because if a man is a, a, a man who identifies as a man then just identifying as that in the beginning is the only thing that makes it what it is, What are you identifying as? What what is this about, right? Is this a women's health issue? Is abortion a women's health issue? It is not a birthing person's health issue. It is a women's health issue, right? And if it's a women's health issue, then it is the identification or it is the the biology of a woman that makes it so, not the identification of being a woman, right? Because a man who says that he's a woman does not have the capability of having a baby because he doesn't have the inner workings of doing so. Um, and again, I've probably harped on this the last two months. It's just been in the news so much lately. It's just been such a constant uh, conversation around these things. And it's in so many places between the Senate and Disney and everywhere. But, you know, what, what are you identifying as? And, and you ask people that is like, okay, I identify as a woman, but I'm a, I was born a man. Okay. So in identifying as a woman, what is it? Because if I identify as Irish and I'm German or I'm whatever, South African, and I identify as Irish, what am I identifying as? Well, I'm identifying as being from a certain country. That is the identification. It has to do with where I am saying I am from. There's an identification. Now, when you look at that and you say, okay, you're identifying as Irish, but you are German, or you are South African, you're not Irish. You can't identify as that because it's not true. In this reality, you cannot say that. (laughs) It's not how that works. So when you identify as a woman, what are you saying that you are identifying as? Is there anything else that you can say that as I identify as a, even if you say I identify as a liberal, okay, you're identifying with a set of belief systems. You're identifying with a set of of, uh, beliefs on certain topics, right? Like the fact that, um, you know, you believe that abortion should be legal and it's not a baby until it's out in the world. And prior to that, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, you also believe that there should be very large social programs and, you know, whatever comes with being liberal. That is your identification. It is a thing. It is a sub- There is substance to what that is. And if you're saying that gender, you know, is just a construct, it's just a belief system, then what do you believe yourself to be? Because then are we going back to the fact that girls play with Barbies and boys play football? Like, I thought that's exactly what we were trying to fight. We were trying to fight gender roles, not gender identity, right? So if you're identifying as a woman— but there's no actual classification of identification there, then you're nothing. It doesn't mean anything. You're not saying anything because you, like, I'm German. I'm not Irish. I'm not German. I might be a little German, but I'm not fully, (laughs) but I'm not Irish. So I can't say I'm Irish. Um, So it's like, what are you identifying as? And this is like where the conversation hits a halt. And that's where you get all these emotional responses like we see here. And that's where she gets, she gets emotional immediately, because when you try to play mental gymnastics in a world of reality, You know, it just doesn't work out well. And again, do whatever you want to do. Call whoever what you want to call them. But you can't force this in a Senate hearing. And and you can't make somebody say that a man can have a baby. And that's what she tries to do here. So let's finish this out one last time.
3: Um, I want to recognize that your line of questioning um, is transphobic, <laughs> um, and it opens up trans people to violence by not recognizing that.
2: Wow, you're saying that I'm opening up people to violence by asking whether or not women are the folks who can have
3: pregnancies? So I'm one, I want to note that one out of five.
0: You can hear her voice get all shaky, like she gets so angry and upset in this emotional conversation. He's super just chill. He's like, okay. So you're saying that me questioning what it is that makes a woman is is opening them to violence? Me asking a biological, scientific question regarding biology is now making people kill themselves? Is that as a professor your perspective? It, you know, and that's what he says: is if I go into your classroom, right? Is this how you're going to treat people when they ask questions? And it gets into this little pissing match between you know, which is crazy to me because we usually like you, certain levels of political leadership are held to a certain regard, right? And what we've seen is all these little uh, spats between, you know, bureaucrats and uh, law professors and senators, right? It's like, show some respect. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a debate. Let's let the debate be spirited and lively. And you can even throw insults. But let's not say we're killing people with our words, because that's just not what's happening here. So, Anyways, that's what I got for you guys this week. I hope you liked the rapid fire situation here today. (laughs) I think uh, what we're going to do on our next episode is going to be a little bit of a long form deep dive into the Hunter Biden leak, which I find to be probably a a very, very interesting topic after all of the research that I've done over the last few days of the actual uh, uh, emails uh, off of the there's lots and lots of stuff there. So we're going to dive deep into that. I found a great article that I can go piece by piece with for you guys. But again, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate it so much. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Leave a five-star review if you're on the podcast here. If you're not listening on Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're at right now, head over there um, and subscribe. Okay, it takes two seconds of your time. It takes two seconds to leave a five-star review on there for me, but it means the world. Right, type something up there for me. Um, you know, I-, I had somebody go on to my. Uh, reviews and say that I'm like transphobic and homophobic. And like I said, I don't care what you do. I think you should absolutely have the right to marry whoever you want. I think you should be able to call yourself whatever you want. You can literally legally change your name and it doesn't matter. I think you should be able to say you are whatever you want to, but just don't expect other people to reciprocate that reality for you. And definitely don't treat them bad over not wanting to accept your reality and your construct that you've created for yourself. Um, But again, I don't think that trans people should be open to violence. I don't think they should be threatened. I don't think they should be insulted. Um, same thing with people who are gay, lesbian, bisexual. I think you should be able to do whatever you want. And that's kind of a libertarian perspective. Just stay the hell out of everybody's lives. Right. Um, but what I need you to do is bury that comment for me because there's no reason that I should be called a transphobe for saying that a man with a penis can't have a baby. <laughs> so leave a five-star review for me, write something nice. I would appreciate it a lot. Um, but other than that, I hope you guys have a great day. Um, and I will see you next time, uh, which should be in just a couple of days. I expect to do this deep dive on the Biden phone leak here probably in the next day or two um, because I'm like just balls deep into the topic right now and uh, we'll have to discuss it. So again, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Head over to redpillrevolution.co.com is for losers and get yourself some life insurance. It would mean the world to me. It's the only way that I can continue doing what I do is by you guys signing up for life insurance. Um, You're not going through any third parties, nothing. It's directly under my license. There's eight states currently on there. Um, I believe it's like Michigan, Michigan, Virginia, Arizona. uh, Look it on there. Look it on the website. It has all the states that I can get. And if you need a state um, that I don't have, just email me, austin at redpillrevolution.co. And I would love to buy the state to let you get some life insurance for you and your family. Um, But again, I hope you have a great day. Welcome to the revolution.